This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Coming. What? Buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a coffee mug. That's what Leanne's yelling in the background right now. I love that shirt, Georgia. T-shirt, coffee mug. Live of the party. Live of the party. I'm sorry. I apologize coffee if I... shirt, tea mug. Okay, everyone stop it. Uh, I apologize if I sound a little rough. I uh, you are a little rough. just got back from Stanhope's house. That podcast should be coming out soon. Uh-oh. It is a six-hour podcast. So if you need to drive from Tampa to Key West, next week will be a good time. All right. Uh, tour dates. March 17th, I am at the Columbus Funny Bone for my call and sick to work show. Uh, 18th, 19th, Long Road Distillery. Uh, Wise Guys in Utah, the weekend before my special. It's the 24th, 25th, I think. Uh, just added. And then I'm shooting my Showtime special April 1st at the Irvine Improv. Go get tickets. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com to get everything. Is that it, George? Yeah. All right. Today's guest. Needs no introduction. He came out to uh, the Bell, although I'll give him one, apparently. <laughs> he came out to the Bellevue uh, Parlor Live, and we hung out. We had a great conversation before the show. We podcasted, and then, what are you doing? I'm looking at you. And then, uh, and then he came up on stage with me after and took his shirt off. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Bonaducci. Save it, save it, yes. <laughs> but just you know in advance, it starts with you going, oh, punch that fucker right in the face. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, let's not leave. Uh- <laughs> was that yours first, that coffee? <laughs> yeah, I just poured one, I think. Can I grab you guys anything? In the other room, yeah. Can I grab you guys anything? I'm good, yeah, I'm good. Right. Yeah, this is pretty low maintenance. We do this handheld? Yeah, I do it handheld. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's cool. Fine. pretty uh, pretty low. My, uh, my station, Amy runs my whole goddamn link. Uh, but my station is after me. Right now. Or not my station, CBS is after me on crazy podcast. And I got to tell you, uh, first of all, it seems rough for part of my day they want. Yeah. They pay me real money. Like, I'm comfortable. Yeah. With we're, we're, we're recording, by the way. Okay. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with what they pay me. Yeah. Um, and then they said, well, the podcast, because it's kind of an experiment, I don't think they use that word, we'll give you $200 a podcast. 
you can't even buy a decent you can make so much more you can make so much more money on a podcast well, well that's the promise <laughs> yeah. the promise is yeah. we'll make hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line but yeah you I'd can I, you could make a ton my old partner adam carolla they tell me makes or generates seven million dollars a year he uh he makes a lot of money he makes a lot of money he makes a lot of money. He's, I think he's the guy that kind of set the business plan. And I think you probably know the guy that set it up. I think his name's Norman. Worked at uh, Courtside Media. or I, be- I believe I know him. Big Lakers fan. Yeah, yeah, older yeah, guy. Yeah. He's like brought in Steve Austin and then brought in Adam. And but it's weird that, that Adam cannot maintain, I don't think, maybe chooses not to, and the hours are terrible. Yeah. But he can't maintain a real live radio gig. And then everybody else, everybody who gets into podcasting, kind of wants that and the, what he's been able to pull off podcasting is just absolutely amazing it is pretty interesting that 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 most people kind of you see some shows that just t- steal from the morning show format right and do a show like that and and I, it's funny because it, it's all the things that we mocked like we'd, we'd go in and do radio and be like oh look you at this that? and yeah and then all of a sudden you get it and you start doing it because you're like i don't know what the fuck to do a, a guy named uh, a legend and an actual real one, not not nationwide, but in yeah. his own right. You know Scott Shannon? Do I know fucking Scott Shannon? Okay. Hell yeah, I grew up in Tampa. Okay, so Scott Shannon. Q and a five. Legend. A $5 million a year player yeah. in one single market. Yeah. Pretty pretty impressive. I'm talking to him one time, and, you know, I am, uh, I'm paying my due respects. I'm a little bit nervous about meeting the Scott Shannon. And uh, I told him why I'd do a bit kind of like that bit, hoping he wouldn't yell at me. He goes, listen to me, boy. Steal from me, you're stealing twice. He goes, everything I, everything I do, I stole from somebody else. I feel very good about that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I go, uh, I'm obsessed right now with, um, I'm, I want to release a, another podcast. Uh, uh, one called uh, First Beer with Bert. And I, and I, but I want to steal from that old format on Fridays. Do you remember the, in like the, I don't, I don't know if you were doing radio then. Only because I know that you did it. You started doing it in like the late, early 90s, right? I started, my first paid gig was in 88. Okay. But like in the early 80s, there was this, this real hacky zoo format that Scott Shannon created. The morning zoo. Yeah. He was the king of it. And there was this Friday air check that they do that, as a matter of fact, John Heffron sent to me the other day. Oh, really? Yep. Because I was like, I'm looking for something to watch on the internet. And he sent... Old air checks, and it's this guy from San Diego, and it's that that uh, they get the the Loverboy song, everybody's working, but it's the Quitten Belt, and you hear Friday, right. oh yeah, oh Friday. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Heffern, by the way, we were doing, uh, I think it was Gene Simmons, uh, his roast. We're doing his roast, and I just just met Amy, and she's uh, ill prepared. My wife is at that time. First of all, she's not my wife. Uh, when I first met Amy, she was uh, 25 and I was 50, uh, a, a thing that will never happen again. I will never live to be twice her age. We'll have to be 600 yeah. for me to be twice her age. It was embarrassing. I didn't want to be twice anybody's goddamn age as a cliche, but what are you going to do? She's the one. Anyway, so she's not prepared for any of my life. Yeah. The, the noise. She's not prepared for Gene Simmons being a weirdo and <laughs> yeah. John Heffern saying shit to her. You know, like, what the fuck? Yeah. What are you? What kind of boyfriend are you? Yeah. And so John Heffern is up on stage riffing on Gene Simmons. Yeah. And he goes, and look at all the notables that came out. There's Danny Bonaducci and Danny Bonaducci's new girlfriend or the least informed woman in the world, as I like <laughs> to call her. And she goes, well, that's, is this how life's going to be now? And yeah. That's it. Welcome aboard. John Heffron credits you for teaching him how to box. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, it's one of my, you know, I've, I've been given some really good compliments in my day. But uh, this one was really great. We, he, we were doing some boxing, and John's okay. Yeah. It's just 
he hasn't had the shit kicked out of him a hundred times like I have. I'm not a good boxer. As a matter of fact, I was fighting some guy. I don't know who it was, but I, I knocked him out, and he didn't get up. It was a big thing. And Amy said, boy, you're a great boxer. And I said, no, I'm really not. I, I just hit way harder. And I goes, no, you're a good boxer. You just knocked that guy. And I go, if the bell rang, he got up, and I shot him in the face. Am I a good boxer? She goes, well, I guess not. And I go, that's what I do. Exactly. No, I didn't even know what it meant. When did, when did, uh, when? You know, anyway, let me tell you the John Heffern thing real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, please. So John, I forgot it. It's not, it wasn't you. It was me. So John wants to box with me. I'm telling him, I'm not that good at it. There are guys good enough to play around. I'm, I'm not, you know, I could, I can try, but I might hit you in the head. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, no. And he's hitting me a lot. He's very good. He's very fast. And he's hitting me a lot. And finally, I just went, boom. And down he goes. And out goes, I'm going, shit. Because I have to work with this guy yeah. in the morning. Not only might he be mad. But he might be injured. It was a decent <laughs> shot. <laughs> so everybody gets up and goes about that. He's okay, and he gets about their business. So I hear later on that he, he ends up going to the emergency hospital. He can't remember where he lives. Really? He can't remember the car. It's quite the compliment, really. Like, you can't remember where you... I've hit nice. a lot of people, and most of them know where I they live the afterwards. memory out of you? Yes. Well, it gets better. He goes, uh, I woke up the next day, and my girlfriend is yelling. I got a new stereo, and I got a new flat-screen TV. And she goes... What happened? She goes, uh, he goes, I don't remember doing any of this. All I know is Danny Bonadici hit me, and then I woke up. She goes, he goes, she goes, he hit you so hard you bought electronics? And he said, well, apparently so. So it's a very nice story uh, at the expense of John Everett, but I really appreciate it. I'll knock you into debt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, when did you, because it's so funny. I, I, when I think of you, I think of a guy who's had a rough and tumble life. Yeah, I, I I don't think of a guy whose dad was a uh, was in television and who was. A, I don't think of a Hollywood kid. I think of someone who grew up in the streets. But you grew up in Hollywood. It's you're, you're it's very astute to say that because I'm closer to a Bowery boy than a kid of privilege. Yeah. Uh, although dad wasn't that successful, he just happened to be brilliant. We didn't make a lot of money. Didn't we were always going shit? Who's turning out the lights? Yeah. Uh, but he was a genius comedy writer, which is weird. But not. I never heard the man laugh. Um, but it's, it's funny. One of the last things so – I didn't, I didn't speak to him for the last 30 years of his life or whatever it was. But uh, give you an idea of my poor father because he's a very serious man. Yeah. And he'd always scream. And he meant business. He'd scream with his teeth gritting like this. And he'd say, I was born in the wrong goddamn century. And like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I can tell that you mean it. And you get out of his way. So he would write in his bathroom. And on an old manual typewriter, which wasn't interesting then, everybody wrote on a manual typewriter back yeah. in, you know, Oh, that's so crazy. I didn't even think about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody. Nobody had, like, what do you, what do you mean? I have to typewriter computers. So you'd hear, so you know, I'm safe. That man's in there typing. Nobody's going to get killed. It was when the, ah, shit. He's on the loose. So one day he's in there and he's writing one day at a time. And he wrote a lot of those and he wrote a lot of everything. He wrote one day at a time and... Uh, the Jeffersons in Good Times, and he's writing Good Times. And all of a sudden you hear, you know, listen real close to me, you go, Dynamite! Dynamite! I write Dynamite for a fucking living! And the door bursts open and everybody fucking hides. He goes, oh my God, he just figured out he writes shit. <laughs> Dynamite for a living? And that's the last thing I remember him writing. But he was, he was very good. He was just a spooky guy. But you're right, I, uh, I voluntarily found myself not on, only on the street, but on bad streets, dangerous streets. Yeah. I think, I, I think I, there was a time I don't even think. I'm positive. I liked it. There's, a, you know, uh, uh, there's something to be said 
for danger lurking around the corner that makes the walk from here to there more interesting. I think it's probably not that deep. No, no, I, I have a, uh, I, 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 I connect with you on, like you know, you see things in in uh, television and you go, oh, I got a little bit of that in me. There was, a, and I, and I don't know if this was scripted or not, but in Breaking Bonaduce, there was a night where you. Uh, skateboarded down to a liquor shop, got a bottle of vodka, sat on your skateboard and drank vodka. You know what? I will tell you this, because everybody thinks you couldn't drink. The, the bottle looks bigger than it is. It's a pint. A pint of, of Absolute is shaped exactly like the other bottle of Absolute. So it's a, it's a fifth in everybody's imagination. It's a small bottle. Yeah. You meant business. You could drink it in one sip like I did. There was nothing that special about it. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't scripted. I was mad about something. The bigger thing, and a lot of people noticed it, but the bigger thing was going through that intersection on a skateboard yeah. against the light with cars going each way. That was a lot tougher. Man. I don't know how because they covered that. You know, what, you know what's interesting about that to me? As crazy as I was, yeah. I was fully cognizant that this could suck. I'm rolling the dice. I'm getting this because I want them to film the guy that doesn't have a care in the world about dying. Yeah. When in fact I did. I'm just still going to do it. Yeah. So yeah, the drinking with the vodka came kind of secondary. And I'll tell you, that guy, the guy at the liquor store, I know I was off and on trying to quit drinking. Yeah. So if I'd come in and I'd give him the right look. He'd hide a bottle of vodka in some kind of weird container so nobody would see it. Oh, he's a, yeah, he's a good man. So that was a weird corner for me. Now, what's, what's sobriety been like for you? Because uh, I always feel like I've always been I, – I've always someone who said I will never quit drinking. I will never quit drinking because I always want to be able to have a drink. I may stop for periods of right? time, but I'll never be the guy that like – like it was a TV writer, a friend of mine who I won't out. But he pulled, we were at a party, and I said, you getting a drink? And he goes, uh, no. And I said, oh, that's odd. You stop. And he's like, yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I was like, well, no, it's shameful at yeah. first. You don't, you don't, you don't want it because it's so much your character. Yeah. You know, it's so much. Bonaduce drinks and then he says stupid shit and then things can get unpleasant. You know, that's part of my, I, I was really embarrassed by sobriety. For, and it took me 20 years to get any time. I, you know, uh, they give out chips at, at AA. They give you a three-month chip, a six-month yeah. chip, a year. I could never get the three-month chip ever. I couldn't do it. <laughs> And it was, you know, at first, just I didn't, I didn't want to do it. But here's the thing, Bert. You shouldn't do it. You can drink. Don't fucking quit. Why would you ever quit? Right. You're, you've been, I mean, you were the party guy at whatever the, the university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can still do it today. Yeah. You don't have a problem at all. You have a hobby. And God bless you. And keep doing My yeah. wife, because of me and what has happened with me, Amy drinks two drinks a day, sometimes three every now and again on the weekend. And then... Twice a month, she questions me, is, do I drink? Is it, is it, shut up. Yeah. Drink your drinks and have some fun. You're 33 years old. Yeah. Everything's gravy when you're your age. My own, I only, I, it's, it's so funny. Is I'm, I remember my wife saying to me, honey, you don't, you don't have a drinking problem. Because when you, you want to stop drinking, you just stop drinking. Right. And she's like, you know, I just wish that when you're on the road, you were more healthy. Like you'd just work out more right. and not spend the end of the night arguing about politics with the other comics yeah, yeah exactly like that's the crazy thing so you you partied really hard in the really late hard. 80s no the, you know what it's uh, um it's all the stuff if you look at a list i have a list because people call into my show i do a thing on my show every uh, day at seven thirty called life coach and just to make things easy i downloaded the 20 signs that you're an alcoholic and the gag is that if you answer yes to any three of them you're an alcoholic yeah. well, yeah, i answer yeah, all of them have you ever been arrested yeah <laughs> you ever been in a fight yeah, yeah. ever break up with anybody? yeah <laughs> ever been naked yeah so it's like no i don't get to I, my my card has been pulled and it's and it's the right thing to do i miss it i want it i wish yeah. i could drink with you guys tonight i wish we could all sit down and yeah. drink and we could yeah. i mean no problem for three nights or four nights from now a month from now 
Now I'm in jail again going, fuck that Bert. Yeah. How the hell did this happen? I had yeah. a drink with Bert, now I'm in jail again, <laughs> goddammit. So I don't get to. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I've always, uh, I had a buddy who uh, was used to love cocaine. He just loved it. And then he just quit. And man, he, he started doing so much shit in his life. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. It, it's probably the same stuff as your dad said. I, was, I would have been something in a different century. Right. If, if this guy had been alive without cocaine, he might have been fucking... Conversely, though, uh, I used to love to go fishing from high school. My guy, my friends and I would go up before high school and fish and bring in, you know, trout and shit to school. And we, and then uh, I was so coming up on fifty years old, and this is my life. The whole and I got to find a time to fish. You know, if I'm playing this comedy club, is there a fishing hole nearby? It's yep. what I do. It's who I am. And then I quit drinking, and I dropped a line in the water, and I gave it about an hour. I went, this is bullshit. <laughs> There's so many activities. <laughs> Who fooled me that I like this for the last 40 goddamn years? Oh, going to a club. Going to a club sober is fucking exhausting. Exhausting. It's exhausting, and you realize just how precarious everything is, that there could be a fight at any fucking second. What am I doing here? Well, plus, if we're going back to my drinking days, if you're in a club with me, yeah. Now the chances have oh. gone way up that there could be a fight anymore. You, are, you know what it is? Here's what happens. And this is a time ago, but I got three like wonderful ingredients for something stupid happening, and that is I'm drunk, I'm short, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> and you know, somebody six foot two is gonna say anything to me, including hello, and it's gonna go bad from there. That should be a t shirt. Amy and I <laughs> I'll write that down. I'm Amy drunk, and I were so I'm short and I'm mad about it. <laughs> Amy and I we were so early on, right? Early on, because I'm like a way not like I'm a better guy and I found God, but yeah. you know, you shouldn't tolerate that behavior. That behavior is wrong. But Amy and I are early on, and a guy has the audacity to just be in the same room with, with me and approximately 6'5. And I just marched across the room and I went, Fuck you. And then I stood there, like, You must do something. I'm a little yeah. guy. You need to hit me now and I'll beat you up. For... <laughs> and he goes, he goes, what's the matter with you, little man? And I just hit him in the head. And that was kind of it. But I've calmed down. You could be in a club with me. Well, you are in a club yeah. with me now, and nobody's getting hit in the head. I don't see you as short. <laughs> but it's so I'm, funny. I'm drunk, and I'm short, and I'm mad yeah, about it. That's a, that, that was for you, buddy. Fucking, I never said that, that before. That should be a T-shirt. That is a great line. You're easily the most entertaining person to Google. Oh, is that true? Oh, no questions asked. No questions asked. I said, uh, I... I of a, probably when I did my interview with Heffron, we, we got done, and I said, "I didn't know you did radio with Danny." And he went, "Yeah," and he was good. And he was like, uh, "He was like, yeah, I learned a lot." Uh, he goes, I, "That was one of the greatest times of my life." And I and then I just I randomly I'm sitting there, I googled you, and I and I mean some of the most it just dudes getting slapped, dudes getting thrown, <laughs> you uh, you losing your it's it, you are. Your digital footprint is fun as fuck. Until recently, and I'd been sober at least four years when I changed my mind about this, I used to wear a human tooth around my neck until last year because I knocked it out of this fucker's mouth and he had it coming. Yeah. Uh, and you probably saw it. Um, Johnny, Johnny Fairplay. Fairplay. Yeah. By the he way, lost I, all his goddamn teeth. I know Johnny Fairplay through Twitter. He just texted me one night and he's like, hey, big fan of your podcast. So he's listening to this. Oh, cool. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, Johnny, and I don't know if he's still mad at me because he really got hurt. But if you watch really, the He thing, really got hurt. Oh, hard back. I, I watch that. I watch that live. Mm. I watch oh, that live. I think because I was working at Fox at the time. I want to say I was working. I was. Uh, I want to say I was working at Fox, and I saw that happen. And I and I know the feeling of once when, when you're funny, no, you get hurt, but you get hurt, and what you do. And he did the thing of when you're funny but you're hurt, and he like didn't like he just got up and kind of. Scrambled. I didn't mean if you watch it again because if somebody tells you that story anecdotally, I killed the guy. If you watch it, I don't do anything really to him. Yeah. Uh, 
here's how the whole thing happened. I'm walking out with Amy again early on in our relationship. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, so this is what you come with. Janice Dickinson's part of your life, really? So we're walking out. And as I'm walking out, he's, he's got his microphone, much like we have our microphones right here. And he walks out, and they're booing him. And rightly so. He's a dick. Or he was a dick. I'm sure he's changed a fine young man. I, I ran into him a couple times during that time period, too. And he was unfiltered oh, yeah. dick. I mean, I, I think I watched him talk shit to Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Like, but, I was like, I remember we were at a party, and I was like, Chuck Liddell is a sidebar right. funny story. Just, just real quick, I yeah. want to check something. Amy, did you ever see Chuck Liddell punch me in the face? There you go. What? So, <laughs> are you serious? I've been around, man. You know why? Because I told him you can't knock me off my feet, and I was right. Shut up. <laughs> Shut, that is a fucking. Okay, now, at, like, at this point now, I just said, Mr. Liddell, I'm so sorry. I was ill mannered, and I'm thank you for not killing me. But yeah, that was a Oh thing. my I just, God. I asked a lot of people, what was that guy, that giant dude? Tito, Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz yeah. told him the same thing. You can't knock me on my feet, and I'm right. I was ready to get. You know why? Because I'm drunk, I'm angry, and I'm mad about it, or some such thing. I forgot. Short. I'm drunk. I'm short. Short. And I'm, I'm mad, mad about it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So we keep going about Johnny Fairplay. So he's, they're all yelling. They're booing him, and he goes, "Why are you booing me?" And I just walked up on stage, took the microphone. I didn't mean to take the microphone. I meant to pull it to my mouth, and he let go of it. And I said, "They're booing." Because they hate you. Yeah. And I just dropped the microphone. I went to leave. And he yells, Bonaducci. And I turn. And he's totally across the stage. And he has the microphone again. And I think, he's going to hit me in the face with that mic. And he's running at me. And I think, fuck it. I can take it. Like, you know, if I punch him in the face, I'm the jerk. Yeah. So I just go, hey. And he just jumps on me. Puts his arms around my neck. His legs around my waist. And starts doing something he calls the monkey hump. Chip his hips like this on me. And I just went, yeah. get off me. And I was, by the way, I was on a ton of steroids at that point in my life. And he's, he's pulling at my neck and gyrating his hips. So he pulls at the same time I heave. And he just goes, fine, but it's nothing. It looks like nothing. He it, goes was, over. it was so weirdly uh, symbiotic. Everybody that- thought I'm super strong, crazy, but he helped. I just, I barely, yeah. but I mean, he, so he didn't protect himself. I don't know if he was drunk or what he was being landed right on his mouth. Yeah. All his teeth came out. Oh, my God. So he sued me for $10 million, which was kind of a drag. He didn't. He didn't get it. But you know, that that thing he did on Survivor, I didn't. I didn't hate him so much for who he is or what he does. I hated him because he was hateable. He went out of his. He wanted to be a villain, and he didn't have the build for it. He wanted to be a villain. He yeah. did some wrestling later. He did some other villainous things. And I hope if Fair Play is listening, so I hope he's a nicer guy now because he's got to be in his mid forties, late forties or something be. by now. What's so crazy? You can't take. You don't want to be a jerk your whole life. What's so crazy is he was at the front end of the of. The, of playing the reality game as a show, or as a show as a game, right. when I think America still was like, no, no, no. Oh, right. You know, and I think what now if, if, he did, <laughs> if he did that today, they'd be like, well Absolutely. played. You know, it's just, uh, you know. I, I'd have been well played. I didn't see you. I didn't know we did that till afterwards, and I researched who he was. I didn't know we did that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, uh, but I watched that one online. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been around. So speaking of online, you'll dig this. Um, my, I'm 56. I don't think to go to the internet. The internet is an afterthought to me. My yeah. wife is 33 and was a school teacher when I met her. The internet, she thinks immediately. So, uh, uh, Bert would like to uh, uh, podcast you. Do you want to do it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who he is. That'd be fun. She Googles you. The movie Van Morrison is Van, based on you. Van Wilder. Van Wilder, not Van Morrison. That's silly. Uh, <laughs> Although I'll take that one before yeah. Van Wilder. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is, is based on you. Yeah. So, here's what happens in my household. Uh, she goes, um, dancing around this because I, I used to be such a dick. I'm a better guy now. And she goes, um, I was in Van Wilder. Really? I said, what? She goes, yeah, 
I was at a pool party, and every piece of information is coming at like a spoonful at a time to see when I'm going to get upset by something. Yeah. And so it ends up with, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm by the pool in Van Wilder. The fuck are you doing by the pool in Van Wilder? I'm playing a tiki girl in a tiki dress. You're playing a tiki girl in a tiki dress with this fucking Ronald Reynolds. What the fuck are you doing? I'm going to punch Bert right in the face. And that was about an hour ago. <laughs> good. Well, if it gives you any consolation, I had nothing to do with the movie. That's what, that's what yeah, she yeah. said. It's, uh, it's one of those good little folklore stories in your no, life. No, it's a great story, man. And I like... admire you so much because... And, you know, I don't know if somebody, how they would feel about me saying this out loud. They go, really? Don't you want to keep that a secret? But everything I do that's a bonus round yeah. comes from being on the Partridge family. I'm yeah. the guy from the, dude, I'm in the radio because they interviewed the guy from the Partridge family who was so funny. They said, Why don't we fire that guy and hire that guy? So I get to stay. Then I was in movies. And then I was, you know, everything I did, you know, they say, Well, you know, you're your own man. Yeah, but I did something first that opened the doors, and it's always going to be Danny Partridge. And the fact that you're, you know, it's 2016, and you're still headlining this club, and I've seen a, a, a trip flip, and I've seen Bert the Conqueror, I know exactly who you are. So God bless you. I love that alive. I, I, I wanted to say, I was having lunch today, and I was thinking about, like, I always find parallels like i can always find parallels in songs where i was like oh that's like my life right but one of the cool things about you that i think that a lot of us in the business that have been in it as long as we have look at is your staying power right like you've not you i don't think anyone could really wrap their head around just how hard it would be to be a child star to be working consecutive in radio for like what 40 years, 30 years? Uh, no, no, 20, 25, though. 25 years. 25 years consi- consistently and doing reality shows and and just and re- wrestling. I mean, you've done literally everything, and and it just – and I go, that's what life's – that's what this business is about. It really, it just, really is. It's just making a living. I wrote, the, the wrestling thing, because it's like not my cup of tea. I didn't know anything. Not only did I not know wrestling or the moves – but I, you know, my radio show is a real thing. I was doing mornings in Los Angeles. I can't play around with Hulk Hogan until after my show. I'll do your show, Mr. Hogan. Uh, but I got to come there at 11 because these guys were getting there at 7, 6 in the morning to learn these moves. So uh, we go to do it. And like I said, I used to, I was on a ton of roids and I'm crazy what looking straight. Kind of kind of oh, uh, the, the good ones, testosterone, Winstrol. Um, Winstrol, by the way, which I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sh- I have not announced a body fat on my own. And on the bottom of Winstrol, there's a picture of a horse, which will give you an indication. It's a fat burner. Uh, and an asthmatic, an asthma drug for racehorses. That, and on the top of my testosterone is a picture of a German shepherd. <laughs> they're not for, they're not for me. And I, I even said to a real doctor one time, because I was worried about shooting the stuff in my body, I said, is this okay? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's almost almost the same biology. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's a real doctor. My real doctor said it's okay. So anyway, I'm crazy looking, and we get to pick out our own characters. And I'm kind of a weirdo anyway at this point. I like to dress up and fool around. I have this thing called the London Opera Coat, and it's got collars that go up like over you. It looks more vampire-y than opera. I don't know whether. Then it's big brass buttons all the way down, and then goes down to the floor and actually hits the floor and kind of drags behind you like a cape. It was crazy. Yeah. Then no shirt, and by the way, dark sunglasses. So that's my character. That's who I'm going to be. So it's the very first day of filming. I wrestle a bunch of people, and we wrestle, and we have it's all mapped out. Nobody's getting hurt. There's no, like, who's the toughest guy. But you can take bumps and things like that. And then we all go back to our uh, uh, dressing room where Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman or whoever are going to pick who won that round. And I come out, and they're talking, they're talking. I'm in my cape, right? And I, I'm in my muscles are, like, freaking out and bouncing and stuff. And all of a sudden, this, this drop of blood just comes out from under my glasses and starts running down my cheek. And they talk and talk, and they, Danny Bonaduce is the winner. And all great. And they, then they send me off to the doctor. 
Hulk Hogan comes up to me later on in that day and goes, hey, Bonaduce, that cut above your eye, did you do that? And I said, yeah. He said, how? I said, a nail I found in the dressing room after the match. He goes, you missed your calling. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to win after that. I thought, okay, because I'm in better shape and wouldn't take more bumps. But it was predisposed that Rodman would win, who was an asshole, by the way. Yeah, I've heard uh, you and him get on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got into the wrestling thing. I was dogging him on the air. I, I was talking on my radio show saying that I, you know, Carmen Electra is probably the prettiest girl I would never have sex with because she has sex with uh, Dennis Rodman. Who would ever follow that? All of a sudden, Rodman's on the phone. I was, it was so odd. It was so odd. It was and so going, odd that he was like, but it was, they're like, is, is, it, is it really Rodman? And then it was like, I didn't think like, it was Rodman. Uh, yeah. And then the they were like, second he's on, you absolutely know it's Rodman. <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking to Rodman. And the first thing he says to me is that he's going to come down there and beat the white off me. And I, which I thought was very funny, you know, okay. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, this is the best thing ever for my career. My career's smoking as it is. I'm on fire. Yeah. I get my ass kicked by Dennis Rodman in a parking lot <laughs> on the air. I'm a god. Yeah. And uh, so I, I gave him the co- coordinates. I said where I'd be, where I I'd meet him. Coordinates? I, I drop a pen. I <laughs> yeah. screen grab it. Email it and, and, he, and he never showed. And it made not that great of a show after that because it was all waiting for Rodman. I was all just waiting for him the whole time. Yeah. But he, the next thing I know, he's challenging me to a fight. And it's in the ring, and I'm going, okay. And the next thing I know, I've entered a talent contest, if you will. So this wrestling show, and I'm part of it, and there's no way to get out. Although it was really fun. I wouldn't take it back. It was really fun. Yeah, well, I don't th- you've had – what about – this is – I talked to Adam Carolla about this as well. And one of the things that I think – and I don't, I don't know if maybe I look too deeply into this, but, like, I always want to talk about the times when you weren't working or the times you are afraid you couldn't pay bills because that's one of the things that I think drives all of us – to just look, I almost it's almost a flaw for me. I feel like I'm working myself into a grave. Like I cannot stop working. You can't, but you can't. You're right. Like, what would happen to you if somebody take your place immediately? Exactly. We're not surgeons, man. Somebody's gonna somebody else will say something clever. Some other guy will walk in the room and say, I, "I'm drunk. I'm short, and I'm mad about." It. And you'll go, "I like that guy better." Yeah. You know, we can't stop. We can't stop. And and, and I, there was a period I think, and I, I don't know where I re- I might have read this, but that you had like like almost like. 22 months where you worked like only like six times. No, it's in my book. I figured it out. That was it, yeah. That uh, in 14 years, I worked 27 weeks or something like that. I did two yeah. episodes, maybe three episodes of Chips, uh, an after school special, uh, and something else. But it came out to 25, 27 weeks in 14 years. Now, do you ever identify with like guys like, and I know this is not, there's no real parallel, but do you ever look at a guy like, say, Screech, J- Dustin Diamond, and go, yeah. hey, man. You can. You don't have to do porn. You don't have to do this. There's a way out of this. Like, yeah, and no, I, I know Dustin. I don't care for him. Um, I don't think anyone does. No, but nobody likes him. Although uh, the first thing he did that I ever liked was stabbing some guy at a bar. That's, yeah. actually, that's actually stepping up for the plate. I never stabbed a guy. <laughs> I've considered stabbing a guy. I've never actually stabbed a guy. Yeah. You go, Dustin. Aside from that, you're a cock. But that was really doing something. Um, but uh, I do. I want to say, hey man, here's the one thing. Persevere is three quarters of it. Just hang in. Don't go to jail. Don't OD and die. Just be around when somebody goes. You know what I need? I need Screech because they will. Somebody's gonna say that one yeah. day because if they woke, they grew up on that show. It'll be funny for some. And then if you're good, but here's why I don't give that speech to, to Screech. I'll be wrong. He'll do the two weeks work for where it was that somebody thought Screech should be funny, but Screech isn't anything. He's there's no reason for him to persevere. He's not going to work. He's not clever. He's not he's not going to write a script or just be right for some other part. He is what he is, and it's not much. But you but you you seem to attach that maybe I don't think he attaches. There is a humility in you that I don't think you put put out publicly, but I know it has to be there when you wake up where you go. 
I'm, hey, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm a blue collar Hollywood worker. Like that's the way I look at it. I'm like, I think, I think that always. Yeah, absolutely. Where does that- I did uh, the other day? We were in New York just the other day doing the Doctor Oz show, and it was, uh, it was on addiction. It was, or it was on addiction, but it was couched with uh, ex-child stars who have had. I, that's how I started this comeback. I did Oprah. 28 years ago with Todd Bridges and Dana Plato and really? Eddie Munch. Yeah, it looked like the whole couch looked like a bad Love Boat special. As every has-been you ever saw was talking to Oprah, and here's what happened. They all cried and moaned that show business ruined their life. I told Oprah, it's awesome. If I weren't Danny Partridge, you wouldn't invite me to town, giving me a first-class hotel room. Plus, they sell stereos in the gift shop, and I'm signing your name. And everybody laughed, including Oprah. And when I got back to the hotel, five other talk shows are called. That's how I started. So doing the same, so doing the same show I just did. The point there being is, I can say no to anything now. Radio's the gig. Yeah. I can say no to anything I want now, and uh, I wanted to do that. I want to be back on TV and telling funny stories and making Doctor Oz like me, which he did, which was cool. Yeah. What are the other things you'd like to do? Like, do you? Because you're, aren't you friends with JD Roth? Yeah, I am friends with so JD Roth. Roth. For those of you that don't know, can you describe JD? JD Roth I've worked uh, with him before. He he and I were mistaken for each other a bunch back when I was young and healthy. That would not happen now. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he was going to Disneyland. He was going through parking. This is twenty five years or twenty years ago, whatever it was, and he's about to pay for parking. And the lady says, "Oh, you can go in. I loved you on the Partridge Family." And he thought, "Am I offended enough to insist that I pay?" <laughs> Or do I want to save my money enough to go, yes, I'm Danny Bonaducci. And he chose the latter and went on in free of charge. So uh, he's a guy, fresh-faced, even though he must be in his 40s now, too. Fresh-faced, uh, energetic young man. Uh, I don't know about now. I know he's still busy. Toast of the town in reality shows in 2001 through 2010. Yeah. He, he Toast did, of the town. He was, he was, and he was a child star, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, I forget what it was off the hand. Do you remember what he did, sweetheart? No, he did something. Like, something. Like something. Double, double dare? Double Dare. I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah, Double yeah. Dare. And, uh, and he produced a show I did with Amy Schumer and Theo Vaughn and a bunch of comics called uh, Reality Bites Back. I want to say that was happening right when Breaking Bonaducci was happening because they would, they were, I heard them talking about it. And we were like, oh, it was such a great fucking show. Dude, they were terrified. They looked, you know how you looked on Bert the Conqueror when you're going down a ride that's yeah. just a little too fast? That's what they looked like all the time. Oh. Now, now, did you have complete creative troll over, yeah. control over that? So how would the how would production work? Would you would you come up with the storyline? Would you come up with the a yes and no? Here here's what happened. Honest to God, because uh, it's very odd in the world of shows. Because I I have this is something I said to Doctor Oz literally last week. He said, "But you like the fact that you came from television." I said, "I'm in the same business as Gregory Peck. I'm flattered to be here." You know, oh, I said, "I'm in radio and I'm in the same business as Edward R. Murrow. It's an honor." You know, a if you great people, way to look at that. It is, too. Um, so, uh, uh, um, so as for the storyline, uh, I had a wife, nice enough girl, uh, and we're going to do this reality show. And I've been everywhere and done everything in the world of, of weirdness. And, uh, uh, you know, I've done The Tonight Show 20 times or whatever it was, and I've been good. I said the right thing every time. Yeah. And so I see her, and she's got a pencil and paper. And she's writing stuff down. I go, what the hell are you doing? She goes, well, I'm writing down things for me to do on, on the show. I said, did you notice there's a word reality? Yeah. In there, you can't write. Me she goes, well, I just don't. I should be doing something when the cameras come. And I said, well, if you want, and I almost wanted to fire her, but I kind of couldn't. Um, so anyway, I'm sitting there in my my living room of this ridiculous mansion I owned at the time, and they they walk in and they're all there, and it's first day, and they set everything down, and we're talking while they set up, and then they're finished setting up, and this happens, and I got nothing. They're not asking. I forgot. They're not asking me questions so I can be clever. They're not Jay Leno. I'm not going to go ha 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 funny thing. They're yeah. just. 
rolling tight. So I threw everybody out. I said, get, I, said I, I forget what I said. I immediately got drunk. Uh, and I said, I'd come back tomorrow. And when they came back tomorrow, I was out of my mind drunk. Stayed that way. And that's what they filmed. Yeah. And I, you know, to, by the way, I've never seen one episode of it. Not one. Really? No, I was time to go uh, publicize it. And I thought, I need to sober up. And I said, I think, oh, man, if I'm so ashamed of the stuff I can remember, what do you think I'm going to feel about the stuff I can't remember? So I never, ever, ever watched it. Oh, so good. I've been, I, I, you, you watch those shows, especially when you live in L.A., and all you go is like, hey, wait, where's that house? Is that over by Fountain? Like, <laughs> uh, That particular one's on the very end of Vermont. It's the next house to... Uh, uh, the Greek Theater. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a great. I bet it was I, a great but, house. Yeah, it was a great house. What? When? Uh, when did you start taking care of your body and like working out? Were you always like that, or was there? No, I was actually the fittest I ever was. Was then. You were yoked yeah. in that show. No, uh, <laughs> I'm that guy where you look over at the gym and you see the bottle of Gatorade and you go, do you think that's vodka? Yes. They say you can't possibly work out drunk. I was never sober in the gym. Not once. I've never, I've, I love working out with a buzz. No, yeah, you gotta. I, Otherwise, there's workings right in the title. Yes. <laughs> I, one of my favorite things to do is when I'm on the road is I get done, we get done, we have dinner, and then I grab a beer or a bottle of wine and get it on the treadmill and just walk at a four. No, absolutely. And just, and just have wine, watch TV. I had the, one of the uh, ladies, one of the older black lady, came into the into the gym and stood on the treadmill next to me. She said, "I've never thought of doing that." And I was like, "Am I about to get in trouble?" And she's like, "No, I'm going to do that." When <laughs> I'm I get about home. to go get some wine. Yeah, and I oh, having a buzz. And the best was when, like in college, when you were really like all your testosterone's flowing, and you get done the bars, and you're like, "I'm going to jog home." And fucking, I've done that a number of I've times. Done, I'm, you got to be fairly drunk to think walking home is a good idea, but often. I don't know why that occurs to you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to walk home from here. What do you mean it's through East L.A.? Of course I'm going to walk through there. <laughs> now, how do, you do, um, how do you do your morning show? Your morning show right now is just straight talk radio, right? Uh, no, we play at least a song an hour, if not two. Okay. But, uh, you know, they're, they're rock and roll songs, so they're three and a half minutes. So most, it's just a talk show. They're kind of a bumper yeah. Uh, uh, but aside from that, yeah, it's pure talk. Uh, in what sense? How do I do it? Now, do, or do, you, do you talk about politics? I know you've got some pretty you've, – you've, you've never been uh, not vocal. No. It's not my thing. I, I'm not – you know what I, I'll tell you. I am not talented enough to not talk about things on my mind. Can you imagine that buffer? What else are you going to talk to if it's not the important stuff? Well, I'm so clever. I'll talk about the not important stuff and make it seem clever. Yeah. No, I talk about whatever on my mind. But the radio show uh, – it's, it's not my job to make anybody think about anything. It's not my job to tell you who to vote for. And I, I mostly resent celebrities and people like that who, who think they can tell me who to vote for. So uh, we don't do any like real game games, maybe one or two if we think of one. But mostly it's here's what's in the news, but not a hard thing. Not a here's what's in the news. Uh, this is why you should not vote for this guy. And here's what, um, somebody uh, was in a parking lot and their kid was crying. They, she gave him a little swat on the butt. And uh, they called the police, and they took her kid for about six or seven hours. What's the world coming to? You should be able to swat your own kid. There you go. That's a topic. Should yeah. you be able to swat your own kid? What's the worst you were ever punished? What's the worst you ever punished your kid? 19 phone calls later, we're on to the next bit. That's all my radio show is, and it's a hit, and it's really fun. That's, see, that, I could do that. I'm, you could. I, I, get, I, get, I get wrapped up in – I don't get wrapped up in politics at all, but I get, I get, I get a, like a fire in me when I hear about these social justice warriors that are out there. Like the kids at Harvard that made them change the name. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Um, 
uh, I'm not a big fan of, uh, 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 and I don't, I don't care enough about anything to get involved in case it, unless I decide, well, that's irking me enough. Uh, I saw an episode, this is where I'm going to get my politics. I saw an episode of a cartoon. Uh, you ever see Family? No. Uh, American Dad? American Dad, yeah. There's an episode about, uh, he wants people to say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. And I think... That's a topic. Yeah. We got great stuff. People were happy. As long as you don't catch anything or telling them what to do, you're at, what's right about that? And everybody called me, you should be able to say either one. You should say this. You should do that. People were happy to talk about it. But that's just, I want people to be happy at the end of my show. I don't want them, uh, I'd like them to improve, but who the hell am I? I just want them to be entertained. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with anyone that you worked with on the Partridge family? Um, not enough that you would say, oh, we're pals, but we just saw Shirley Jones. Uh, we did my. Shirley fr- Jones? Yes. Shirley Jones, hold the fucking phone. Look at your epiphany. Is she dead? She, what? No, she's not. <laughs> she lives in. She lives by me. Where? In L.A. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah in Valley Village. I, I, I don't know. She yeah. sold her house in Beverly Hills. She, and I don't know. Her granddaughter goes to. If I, I may be wrong on this, her granddaughter goes to school with my daughter. You're kidding. And they're in a play together right now. How old's her daughter? Uh, Eleven. At uh, what? Um, and that's in Valley Valley Village. Yeah, like in Valley Village area. Didn't you teach school near there for a while? Yeah. And I- yeah. So it is near there. Yeah. Where did you teach school? Um, I taught in uh, West L.A. and um, Bel Air. For those of you listening at home, that's my wife, Amy. Back to Amy. Hi. <laughs> so wait, wait, so wait, Amy. Hold on. Let, yeah, yeah. Let here. T- let let me ask you a question. Okay. So, the, uh, so you, where did you meet Danny? Starbucks. Starbucks. Did you know who he was immediately? Yes, I did. Okay. And so, did you had you had a crush on him before when you had seen him? Uh, I wouldn't say a crush, but I read his book and I went to his book signing. I was 19 years old. We didn't know each other. It's the only book signing I've ever been to. Really? And a picture exists, too, from that that my mom has. I don't have it. Really? Yep. And so so you knew what you were getting into when you met him? Oh, no, of course not. No. What were the first red flags that showed up where you're like, where you're like I don't know, I'm not telling friends about this one? Well, I, I remember telling my mom that I was dating somebody that I was serious about. And she says, oh, that's great. What does he look like? And I said, do you know who Danny Bonaducci is? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, he looks exactly like that. In fact, that's who it is. And it was just like silence. Really? By the way, her mother is my age. Back to you. Oh, really? So, so your mom knew exactly who Dan about it. She grew up on Danny. Yeah, and luckily she was really, she had an open mind about it because she, I don't think, was happy about it, you know? Shut up. This was just like right on the heels of Breaking Bonaduce, just right after that aired. Yeah. I'm he was still living in a house with his ex-wife. Oh, shut up. <laughs> this is, those are the... Good, good interview skills. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> Yeah. What? Get out. So so then so then tell, what happened next? Uh my mom was in town. We all went to dinner and she, he was super, you know, has really good manners and was polite and um it that's he's the first guy. He's the only guy I've ever brought home. So I mean, so they they gave him a shot and everyone likes him. So it, it worked out just fine, surprisingly. That's oh, that's so crazy. That's so crazy to be uh, the same age as as your girlfriend's mom. She's she's a tad older than me, but I'm actually older than my father in law. Really? Yeah. He's dig this. He's six foot six inches tall Uh-oh. and younger than me. And I've told him, <laughs> I told him I'm drunk, I'm short, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> but couldn't be a sweeter guy. And that's a very true story. Yeah, because you know I'm walking into this very nice neighborhood, uh, uh, upper middle class neighborhood with a swimming pool and you know a gated community, uh, with her mom, the professor, the ex professor, and uh, her th- two sisters, so three girls. 
I know they're going to know who me, I am. And the last thing I did of note is breaking Bonaduce. And everybody knows when I've been busted. Because even though it was in the 80s and 91, they're pretty big. You smack one transvestite, people are going to hear about it, Bert. So I, <laughs> I, I'm the, I, I know they're going to hate me, but I'm not going to be the cause of it. And yeah. I walked in the door and couldn't have given a, a, a more fair shot to me. And now there are other uh, sons-in-laws. There weren't at the time. But if I had to bet money, I'd go, I'm the favorite. She loves me most. Yeah. You know, but but she does. She I don't really mean must, but she loves me. Kathy loves me a lot. Thinks I'm great. I take you know I take care of her daughter. There's first and foremost. I don't cheat on her. I don't lie to her. I don't hate anybody else anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I settled down. I, pay, I paid my dues. I did my life, and now I do this. And this is actually, by the way, way more pleasurable. I didn't oh, know. You've got the gig, man. Well, I, I love the you hit one transvestite. Yeah, I'm gonna hear about it. <laughs> what was that story? Ah, uh, that's that's yeah time. Yes. It's a great story. Yes, I have time. <laughs> when people ask me to do comedy, I don't do it because it's too scary for me. I can't tell you. I don't oh, know how to do it. You're great at it. I, I, I've done it. I've made real dough at it, but I've done it a handful of times. It's yes. just so scary because I don't tell jokes. I tell the story. I tell stuff that happened to me. You'll see what I do. So, uh, oh, yeah. That's what I figured with you. Just tell stories. So, uh, all right. So here's the story, really. Um, you want the full version of it? All right. So uh, I could actually walk around. I'm better on my feet like the Sundance Kid. Um, so... Uh, I I I I I, get, I married some girl uh, literally the, the, on a first date in the middle of a first date I married this lady uh, and the short version of that is I'm making out she's a grown woman she's like 25 making out with her sliding into second and finally she goes oh no I'm sorry I can't do that I probably should have told you I'm a Christian and I can't do that till I'm married well fuck all right yeah. and so I called a minister and married her right there in the in the in the living room so it's only been a few days so some people would say I plan to cheat on my wife. I would say I met this girl 72 hours ago. I don't, you know, what's, well, there's weird rules. So I'm going, but anyway, I'm not doing anything. In my heart of hearts, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to the store. It's about 2 in the morning, and uh, I'm going to 7-Eleven. I'm, I'm going to get cigarettes. As a matter of fact, I'm 820 feet from my house. I know that because the cops measured it later because the story goes bad. So I'm pulling into 7-Eleven, and there she is. There's a hooker right there, long, straight, black hair, 2 o'clock in the morning, working, you know, she's obviously working on the corner. I pull over. I roll down my window for the do you want a date conversation, which does not happen. She just hops into my car and says, want a date. Close the door, and we go forward. And then I went, hey, wait a second. (laughs) And I've I've traveled 25 feet tops. And I turn, and it's a guy. Yeah. I'm from, I've been raised in Hollywood. I've been drunk in Hollywood for the last 10 years. I don't give a shit that transvestite. Everybody's a transvestite. Yeah. Uh, I I said, uh, hey, man, my mistake. Just hop on out. And uh, he said, no, 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 you owe me 40 bucks. He wasn't sober either. And I said, uh, I, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said, no, man, serious biz, get out, of my, get out of my goddamn car. And he goes, no, you owe me 40 bucks. You took me off my corner. Give me my 40 bucks. I'm shit. And I get out of the car, and I walk around the car, and I open his side of the car, because now we're dating. And I open his door, and, I, yeah, and I, I grab him out of the car, and I stand him up and up. And, uh, and he's big. He's big. He's over two. He's like, what did court say? Because they measured him, too. 220 pounds in heels, which can hurt. So I, I don't even think anymore. It's a big man in heels who sells himself for a living. This is bad. He could have a gun. Fuck him. Boom. Down. He goes down. I start to go, he starts to get up. I go, don't get up. And he's, he's like looking at me, and he's reaching up with his hands. So I hit him again. And I don't really remember exactly how it goes here, but... He starts kind of screaming, and I kind of start screaming. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm screaming this. You'll love this. I'm, I'm yelling, stay down. 
I'm little and I can't be nice to you. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too little to be nice. That's what I'm yelling at this guy. So apparently neighbors heard yelling. Yeah. They think they heard screaming in the story in the court and called the police, but they think they heard him screaming because he got hurt. Yeah. I'm screaming. I'm little. Stay down. Yeah. So finally I, I hit him and he stays there. He falls down by the wheel and I look and I'm around. I'm at a park. There's a park. And on the other side of the park, I see flashlights. Here come the cops. Yeah. And I think, you know what? I, I can explain this. It's weird, but I can explain it. You know, I'll just tell them exactly what I just told you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, nothing's happened. No money actually even changed hands yet. Uh, and I think, you know what? The tabloids are going to kill me. Danny Partridge with the transvestite hooker. I got to go. And going was the mistake. I thought up until that was a fist fight that I won. Yeah. That one I left. Reckless endangerment. And I'm, oh, by the way, did I mention I was on probation in another state? Oh, yeah, not to. Um, so <laughs> I split, and here's my thing, and I say this on stage when I tell the story. I say, I've had lots of weird moments in my life, but this is my favorite. I listened to the high-speed pursuit that I was in on the stereo of the car I was driving. Wait. How is that possible? There's a helicopter. Boom. This oh. kind of stuff doesn't happen in Phoenix enough. There, I was all the news all the time. And the funny thing is they're going, he's heading to this corner. Oh, he's going to take this right turn. He won't make this. And I'm going, fuck you. I've got this. And I did. I beat them home. I took off all my clothes. I thought, you know, I'll just say I've been in bed all night. And uh, unfortunately, it was the night, I believe the night after, soon after Rodney King. And I get in bed all naked and say, I'm going to be here all night. And I hear him kick the door and not kidding around because they saw me come in. There's no missing it. And I got scared and I jumped in my closet and I pulled up all these clothes over my head. And there's like eight cops in my room. And this one cop comes over and he sticks a billy club into this pile of clothes, which I'm, and it's missing me by like an inch. <laughs> And they start to split. I, oh, my God, I'm going to get away with this. And I don't know what happened. They moved the clothes, and you saw some of my red hair sticking out. They just came back and just beat the shit out of me. But the reason, no hard feelings either. They still thought it was a girl. I, so as far as I'm concerned, oh, they're they concerned. I'm was... some guy that beat up some chick bad. She was, he was hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 that was kind of a drag. Shut the fuck up. And then I'm in court. And this is my favorite part. So I'm in court, and this is getting really weird because uh, the guy says, uh, do you know – the maximum penalty for reckless endangerment while you're on probation in another state? And I said, no. And he goes, life? And I went, what? He goes, oh, we'll never get your life. But I'll get you 10 years. Just like that. I'm going, what's happening here? Yeah. This is over a fight? What's happening? It's not over the fight. It's over the leaving. Plus, it was so much press. And all they got is a transvestite hooker. They thought they had to, they kicked the shit out of me. I'm real hurt. And I'm all over the news with cuts and stitches and they got nothing. Yeah. So they said, uh, plead to this. So I'm in court, and the judge says, uh, Mr. Bonaduce, let me tell you what I think happened. What I think was you went out and rented a prostitute, and when that prostitute turned out to be a man, you got angry, and you assaulted him. And I went, you're absolutely right, Your Honor, and I would like to press charges for consumer fraud. <laughs> Not a laugh. Not, Not a, a <laughs> chuckle. And so uh, I ended up getting... Five years probation on that one, tacked onto something else I'd done. I ended up doing seven years of probation. Really? Yeah. In three different states by the time I was done. Have you ever have you ever had to do time in jail? Nope. Done the night when they arrest you. Yeah. But no. Uh uh-uh. Now is now at this point your dad's still alive? Uh yes. I believe my dad was alive for, for all this. When when did you stop talking to him? Uh oh, years and years and years. Uh, teenager, twenty one maybe at the oldest. Oh really? When I stopped talking to him. Yeah. So there, I mean, the, he's not. He was not a nice guy. Nobody yeah. loved being around him. Um, and I think we'd have never. Nobody would have ever spoken to him again. But like Christmas Day, nineteen eighty, whatever, he had a stroke, 
and people felt obligated. But I was living in another state doing radio. I was making my comeback, if you will. So I didn't feel like I was forced to be nice to a guy I never liked just because he had a, a, a stroke. Yeah. How did, how did radio come about? It, exactly the way I told you. So I was happening fast and forward, but I was doing the, the radio tour of people who want to talk to ex-child stars who took a bunch of drugs. And I went in, and they asked me to stay for a few days. And I went in there, and the boss just said to me, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Is this in Philadelphia? It's in Philadelphia. I'm staying in my mother's goddamn basement. I'm 30 years old, and I'm homeless again. It's not the first time. I'm down. I'm living You're outdoors. 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So funny. 28, I, maybe. Holy shit. I thought you... So when did you stop working... As a child star. Like, when did you feel Partridge like Partridge Family wrapped up in 74, and I only did a few weeks' works after the Partridge Family. We did uh, the Partridge Family and Space Cartoons for, you know, we did that kind of work, but I didn't work much after 1975. I, uh, Chips was very good with, to me. I did three episodes of Chips, uh, which kept me like, we still, Amy does the books, and when she thinks I'll be interested, she'll go, ha ha, Chips just paid you $32, because that's one we can count on. Yeah. So uh, that's I stopped really working in 1975. And you were what? 12? 15. 15. And then and so then, and then you have your run-ins, your dust-ups, and then at 30 you come back. 30. I'm. I don't think I was in trouble. I just think I didn't have another a dime to spare. I didn't. I couldn't make it. And you know, you can only mooch so much off your family because nobody in my family is doing well enough to support another guy's whole life. If yeah. I just need another three hundred dollars, that's one thing. I need breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and some shelter. Uh, so I went to to uh, uh, my mom's house, and I'm in a mall, King of Prussia Mall. Never forget. I, I know King of Prussia very Do well. You? I was born in Tampa or in Clearwater or St. Petersburg, I think, and then we moved up to King of Prussia and stayed in King of Prussia Housing Complex. Oh, okay. And yeah, and my my whole family from Philadelphia. So I'm going. Up an escalator, and there's a guy going down the escalator. We meet at just about midsection. He goes, "Hey, aren't you the guy from the party show?" And I said, "Yes, I am." And I like, I don't have a home. I'm in my mother's basement, but still, I got to give. You know, I'm got to be nice to be. I can't go. Yeah. No, I'm homeless. I don't have to be nice to you anymore. Um, and he goes, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" Right there, as he's going down, he runs down, runs back up. He goes, "I'm. I think he was Woody from the Welch and Woody show." Said, "Please come by my radio show. We do mornings right down the street. It's right down the street from my mom's." I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it." And uh, I was kind of nervous. Like, what are you talking about? I hadn't done like that many interviews and stuff since the party. But you have this wealth of stories well, that you've I, gone I didn't really at the time. I, I didn't think I did. It turned out I yeah. did, yeah. Um, so anyway, I go and I do it. And they say, oh, yeah, will you, do, like, will you guess week? We'll give you $500. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday comes by. And $500, man. Do you know the trouble, the havoc I could do with 500 bucks? Yeah. So I stay. But I don't really do the havoc because I'm getting up at 4 in the morning. I'm tired. The havoc will have to wait. And... Uh, so on Friday comes by, Dave Knoll, the general manager, meets me outside their door. And it was weird the very first day I did it because there's this, this studio. Everything's black. It's nothing. There's only me and those guys. Yeah. And when you open the door at 10, it's become an office building full of people. And it yeah. shocked me at first. So Friday comes around. Dave Knoll comes up. He goes, you know what? You're, you were meant to. You're great. You're a natural storyteller. And I said, well, well, thanks, man. He goes, we'd like you to stay. We'd like to offer you a show. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. He goes, now listen. Don't take offense. And a lot of times people in radio versus TV don't know what is what. And he yeah. says to me with a straight face, I don't want to offend you, but the budget has about $75,000 in it. And I really don't have a lot of wiggle room. Uh, would you consider that? And I said, yeah, I, I would consider that. And I walk away. I'm going, I've never seen $75,000. And the part of the family, I made $400 a week. And I only made that 26 weeks a year. Yeah. Are you serious? At the end of the show, I made 600 a week. Shut up. Yeah, $600 a week. No residuals, no, uh, no royalties from the albums, nothing. I had, uh, when I turned 18, I had $72,000 in the bank. 
I spent it in an afternoon and started roughing it from that day. So he said, I'll give you the 72 G. I stayed, and uh, the morning show actually got blown out. And they, they fired the morning show and said, will you, will you stay? And I said, yeah. And they said, we're going to hire a new morning show. And we were ta- you were talking about zoos earlier. Yeah. I became a member of John Lander and the Nut Hut. And I was a nut in John Lander's Nut. They actually, not only did they have a snare drum for any time you were kind of funny, but um bump yeah. But it was a real drum with a guy. And this little thing, you're like, can't we put this on tape? Do we have to have this poor Elliot guy? Do By the way, you might have met him, Elliot Siegel in Washington, D.C., number one guy there. One of my best friends. He's the wacky, he was the wacky drummer. Are you fucking But a bum 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 That was his job. Are you Greatest producer I ever saw. Kidding me. You know, oh my God. Greatest producer I ever saw. By the Elliot. way, also a black belt. Is he? Yep. I didn't know that. He went, uh, uh, I'll tell you a story real quick. He's a wacky DJ. This is actually the wacky sidekick. I'm John Lander in the Nutter, but he's a great producer. He's the nuts, uh, bolts of the show. So we're out doing some bar appearance, and I, I'm kind of backing it, if you will. I think it was his appearance. But either way, you're doing wacky bar appearance gigs and he goes you know and here's a t-shirt for the first guy up here with a condom first guy with a condom come on up here and people come running up for a t-shirt people do anything for a t-shirt yeah. and he grabs one and he says he's looking right at the guy in the face and he says this with a big smile and like oh, oh extra small for the Chinaman no surprise there and I went what <laughs> and the guy actually walks away the Korean dude it turns yeah. out later yeah. walks away and I think it hits him like in about five steps, that just happened to his face. Yeah. Elliot said, I have to pull this guy off, Elliot. Hey, you out of your mind. He, oh. he was holding a glass at Elliot's neck, but he had failed to break it. So he's just holding an actual some, a tumbler. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. That- Best producer I ever saw. I never saw anything like it since. Because now everybody is, it's all digital. Elliot, this guy would do prank phone calls, this John Lander guy. Yeah. He'd do them for three fucking hours to get three, four minutes. Elliot would take a razor blade and tape. That's how they did it. Razor blade and tape. And he'd do it all night. And there'd be a stack of reel-to-reel tape to get three minutes. And Elliot did it every show. Shut That guy's up. my hero. Elliot is one of my best friends. That's like, amazing. I love him. He, I knew you'd know him. He, he, he came in. He's the biggest show in, in uh, probably on the East Coast right now. In, uh, Still in D.C., right? In D.C., yeah. yeah. In D.C., in that market, you do a show and you just sell out all your shows. Right. And when I first went in, he goes... Uh, they're like, hey, Elliot's willing to have you in studio. And I was like, I didn't, had no re- frame of reference. I was like, cool. I go in, I do Elliot, I get drunk. I end up giving my wife's phone number out on air. I end up giving my Facebook login out on air. It's the most epic, chaotic show. And then all my shows sell out for the week. Uh, right. and, I, and I get done. And I was like, and I, they tell me they sell out mid-show. Oh, all shows are, show, shows are sold out. I'm like, shut up. And then Elliot at the end goes, you know why I had you in? And I said, no. He goes, you're an ATO. He goes, I was an ATO out at, at what, wherever he went to college. I go, shut up. Are you serious? He goes, yeah. So he's like, it was the only time that being an attorney has ever paid off for me. <laughs> and, so, and I still see him. We do, uh, I do a call and sick to work show where I go in, do radio, drink, get done at like 10 and then Elliot and I drive to the club, and they sell out, and I do like an you're, 11 a.m. show. I have a little more in common than I thought. My very first time on the Oprah Winfrey show, I said that I thought it was disgraceful that celebrities would wear baseball hats and sunglasses. You pay their rent. They should let you know it's me. You saw my movies. I love you. And she said, would you do that? And I said, oh, I'm not that famous. You know, people did. They asked me for an autograph, and I most certainly give them. But you know what? Uh, I mean, if you ever want to talk to me, I look at the phone number and the camera, and I give out my home phone number. And Oprah Winfrey goes, was that your actual home phone number? And I said... 
Yeah, it was my actual yeah. home phone number. She goes, well, what's going to going to ring? I said, that's not really going to ring because I'm going to answer it, Oprah. It's an <laughs> honor and a privilege. And I went home and, it, you know, people flipped out. My phone wouldn't stop ringing. Yeah. And so I unplugged it every now and again. And then I'd answer it and people would freak out. Is it really? And then they, it went away. I, I was like that. I, I was like that very early on when I was like, I was like, I'll give out my email address. And everyone's like, why? I was like. If they want to email me, yeah. I'll email them back. What I do, here's a philosophy I think you may have because I'm just inventing it at this moment, so you may have it. And that is, I give the audience what they want, even if they don't know they want it yet. <laughs> Shit yeah. they might want in the future, like my phone number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Oh, that's so great. You that's know, so I, crazy. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm, I make a super comfortable living. We'll go within the high-end surgeon or lawyer world. There's a yeah. guy that put himself through school for 12 years. Because he meant to, not like yeah. you. <laughs> no. uh, but, you know, I, and I don't do that. The least I can do is be completely and totally accessible to anybody who wants anything from me. Uh, that's my fault, though. I have that fault where I'm too accessible. And my wife will say that. You need to turn it off. Like we, we went to, I think it was Dave and Buster's with the girls for a birthday party. And some fans know, recognized me. And they were like, Oh shit! It's a machine. And I was like, "What's up, guys?" Like, dude, you got to do a shot with us. And I was like, "Oh, okay." And so my wife's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And in my in my head, I go, "It's just fireball." It's like, like I, I don't even feel it. And it's that one moment they get to have a shot. They get to have that. They get to have a moment with me where, and I'm privileged that they want to do that. And and my wife's like, "No, you got to turn that shit off." How like, long you been married? Thir- uh, well, eleven years. So that's a good run, man. Yeah, she's uh, perfect. Good. And just literally the right tempo for me in like everything i said i've been working on this bit on stage where i say that i don't i don't love her as much as i need her like i like you know no one like thinks about oxygen and goes i love oxygen <sighs> so good you just go oh i couldn't live without it and i uh, really couldn't live you without really her. need to nail that down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as i get exactly yeah. what yeah. you're trying to say she's saying you don't love me i go she loves me she doesn't need me at all she doesn't she doesn't need me at all she loves me. I fucking need her. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, you know what? I think we, we especially people like us, you know, uh, uh, without uh, my wife caring about me and showing me the right thing, that there's an alternative to the life that I want to lead, that are viable and fun and entertaining. We had a great day today. We went uh, clothes shopping for clothes I can afford, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And they went to a dinner, which is not like delicious. Uh, it was ready. What was it called? What was the name? Maggiano's right down here. It was like 70 bucks. I happen to have the money for it. And then I came here to see Bert the goddamn Conqueror. It's a great, you know, it's a great night. But I never stopped. Like this would be an opening to what was going to happen later. And it just leads to an early grave. Now I've learned the pleasure of, hey, you know, seeing Bert and watching the show wasn't that night nice. Good night, dear. That's there's so much better than, man, is this going to need stitches? That's so much good night, dear, is better than do I need stitches. It's so hard to do is to say, is to say and that was good. Good night. Good. And it is good. Yeah. I'm not missing anything else. It's just that if, if Amy uh, uh, wasn't here tonight, I, mean, I would think I'm missing something. I think there's something great. And by the way, nothing that magical is going to happen in Bellevue besides you. You're what they've got. (laughs) Let's hope. (laughs) I swear to God, the most interesting thing in Bellevue tonight is you, and that's a fact. And that's a compliment because it's a nice little town, but there aren't that many options besides Bird. Uh, There's a bluegrass festival in the hotel I'm in. I happen to like bluegrass. Uh, They're fucking everyone, like, my floor is not a jam floor, but you take the elevator down and you just hear floors. Everyone's jamming. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, you get in the elevator and people are tuning their guitars and jamming. I just started taking guitar lessons. Really? Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing because I, I thought to myself, when did you ever have the time to become a black belt? 
Uh, I had 14 years off, but I started um, on the part show. There was a, a guy. He was like the recreational something for the three little kids on the part show. The characters of Chris, Tracy, and Danny. Danny being my actual real name, so that was made it easy. Uh, well, the kids didn't do anything. They'd come in, they'd say one or two lines in the morning, they'd do their three hours of mandatory legal schoolwork, and they'd split, and I'd be a lone child. And it turned out he was a karate instructor, and it was his day job. And so he started teaching me karate, and then I started going to a school he recommended, because we had off half a year. Yeah. I started going there, and I had my first degree black belt probably... By the time I was 16 or 17, and I was slow to get it. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't fly. By that time, the kung fu movies were really taking hold, and people, were, you know, especially teenagers, flying around the goddamn room. I never yeah. could do any of that. But uh, uh, I think I was my, had my first three black belt by the time I was 17, and I had a lot of time, too. I had a lot of focus. Pri- uh, Chuck Norris was my private coach for a while. Are you serious? Yeah, we hooked up this thing because I was way more famous than Chuck Norris when this started. Remember, this started while I was on the party. Yeah. So the Teen Beat magazine set up a picture of Chuck Norris teaching Danny Bondici karate. And so then Chuck said, oh, man, you can go to my Van Nuys school, which was notorious and famous. Really good guys came out of it. And it's a lifetime membership. So, okay. And then years later, I had nowhere to go. But I could go to Chuck Norris' school. So that, that's how I stayed with it. That's how I found the time. That's interesting. Do you watch MMA or UFC? I, I, I do. We just started, we just started, Amy and I just started watching it together. Uh, Joe Rogan, who's surprisingly funny. Um, oh, fucking fantastic. Really good, huh? That surprised yeah. me. I expected, because I've had a couple of encounters, not, not bad, <laughs> but uh, encounter, I was at some, uh, do you remember, dear, the name of that guy's school across the street from our house? Famous guy. He's, he's now in the movies with, uh, he's in The Expendables. Oh, but uh, the big cauliflower ear, one of the first famous guys. Uh, Couture. Yeah, Randy Couture. Randy Couture. He has a school across the street from our first home together. And so I go in, Rogan's there, and we're talking, and I don't know. I don't know if his testosterone was going because mine was. I'm in a gym where people look, they're doing things that look like fighting. That's yeah. enough for me. And Joe seems to be kind of a god kind of there. Everybody knows him and is dealing with him. So I, I take a trial class, if you will, and I don't remember <laughs> what, the, uh, uh, what the move was. But this guy has me completely locked up. I'm no, I get on top of a guy, which I think is weirder than shit anyway. And I get up on top of the guy, and he's got his arms and his legs, and I'm like, he's got me. And then Couture says, well, no, you have to, you have to get free. So I'm trying to get free. There's no way out. But I realize when I lean back, I think I could stand up. So I stand, uh, stand up, stand up. He won't let go. He's around me like, like yeah. a child in a pouch. And he stands up, and I, I look at Couture. He's looking at me like, what are you going to do now? And I just put my arms out, and I just fall forward right on this guy. <laughs> and he goes, huh. And don't let go. So I stand up again. Do it. So I think I did it one or two more. Were you there? No, I heard about it. Okay. Uh, I did it one or two more times. And Couture like, grabs my ear and goes, listen, princess. That's, and I went, wow, Randy Couture is calling me princess. I'm, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Um, so hey, that, was my, that was my first hello to Joe Rogan. I think I've had him on a couple of my shows. So nice enough. Couldn't be a nicer He's guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He was one. And super funny. Did you expect him to be that funny? Well, yeah, I knew him as a comic first. Oh. I, didn't, I, I saw him on news radio first. Right, that's where I knew him. And then, and then being a comic, he was like, he, he's always had this, uh, you know, almost like this godfather mentality, not mentality, but like uh, persona with us comics. Right. He stood but that's only because he's more famous than most no, comics. No, but he stood up for us about joke thievery. And, and a lot of us that were younger were like, thank God there's someone that's willing to put his career on the line. For guys he doesn't know, that was like, I think every comic endeared oh. himself to Joe immediately. And then Joe started podcasting, and I started listening to his podcast first, didn't know him, and then I reached, he reached out good? to me. Oh, his podcast is fucking amazing. His podcast is the 
when you look at the, uh, the maybe if you want to do a podcast, that's one of the ones you have to look at because what he does is he interviews people that I would I think he'd say this too are like millions times smarter than him. So he interviews like scientists. That's his thing though, right? He, he loves he just is he is a he is a sponge for information. I see I'm going the other way. They're coming after me uh, to do this podcast and I said you have to like I've got everything I need as a radio guy. You have to give me that. I yeah. get it. They thought and it's flattering. They thought, just Bonaduce, go in there and tell some goddamn stories. I said, yeah. that's three shows, tops. Then what? Listen, you should, if you, if, before you think about doing one, you should listen one of Bill Burr's, one of Rogan's, one of Corolla's. Corolla's is more of a production. It's, it's got like a whole group. It's produced. It's definitely, it's a radio show. Right. Um, and then Marin's is a fucking great one. Well, here, here's the thing. We're at, this was really funny because I was, uh, um, Amy wants, Literally nothing to do with show business. Doesn't care for it. Not that she's like, she probably thinks you're the nicest guy in the world. She likes me. She's married to me. It's not like that. But she doesn't want to be on TV. It's funny. We get married. She's 20. I don't know if we were married yet or not. But anyway, she's 25. I'm 50. Right? That's funny to me right then. She's a school teacher. I'm a savage. That's funny to me. (laughs) So I write up a little reality show for VH1 because I'm read a lot with VH1. They love me. Yeah. You know, if, if I fart, they'll broadcast it. All right. And they'll pay me for that. So I write the show basically The Odd Couple. She's going to teach me how to balance a checkbook. And then once I can do that, we'll move on to the next thing. Like how to, do the, how to unload and load a dishwasher. Yeah. And, you know, how to know when things are dirty. And how, to, how to do your laundry. It'll be funny as hell. How to bay traffic road. This will be hysterical. I go to VH1 with it. They go, yep. Love it. Can't give way to have it. I home to, and I, I say, hey, man, we got a new reality show. She goes, oh, I, I don't want to do TV. I said, oh, come on. We've got, it's a lot of money. Change yeah. your mind. And she, like, we're early on and I could still be kind of loud. And she goes, I don't want to be on TV, and I told you that. Because people want to take our pictures, and she didn't want to. I thought she was a fucking criminal at first. Uh, and I said, what, you really? This is a lot of money. She said, I don't want to do it. And she said, I told you I didn't want to do it. And I said, I thought you were a lion. That's what- You're a young girl in Hollywood. What do you mean you don't want to do TV? And she didn't do Last week, um, this kind of comes off a little braggy. <laughs> and... I'm just not mad at it anymore. I, I was mad, but I, I keep my mad different. It was kind of like my feelings were hurt. Yeah. But you know that show Marriage Boot Camp? Uh, no. You go on it, and there's a, a fake, well, I guess they're a real doctor or whatever, and they analyze you, and there's all these people are screaming. And for example, to give you an idea, you have to take sock puppets and show where your sex life goes wrong. It's, and you, if you're good, you'll fight. That's why they want me. Yeah. Uh, and so the show pays 50 Gs. By the time they were, oh, wait, Bert, wait with that face. Oh. First, they, my agent says he'll never do it. His wife won't do it. So they said, 100. 150 for two weeks. For two weeks. And then they say, oh, Danny, you have to let Danny leave the house because you have to live in this house with these savages. Uh, he has to do a radio show. No, he can't, but we'll build him his own radio station in the house. Okay, ready? 250 A quarter of a million dollars for two weeks. Now... For not doing it, I have to give her this. Like, everybody in my family liked her more. For a day, I liked her less. But uh, I'm proud of her. It's a savage show. It's terrible. You know, marriages are ruined over that kind of stuff. And it's resolve. I said, what do you mean you don't want to do it because it's terrible TV? That's what I do for a living. I write terrible TV. She goes, no, you do good radio, and you shouldn't do it. So I've now forgiven her. But, uh, uh, yeah, this this had something to do with something. Is the spot still open? Because me and my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to go on and break shit. You got to go on and break shit and smash shit and say, I'm I'm leaving you, and I've been having sex with that eight-year-old poodle or whatever it is you're supposed to do. My wife, uh, Travel Channel, came to us and uh, 
at a very preliminary stage and said, well, we'd like you two to do a show together. Travel around the world. Uh, we'll give you coordinate. I should maybe shouldn't do that, sell it, say the pitch, but uh, they basically do a show where we travel around the world. My wife's like, nah. I go, what the fuck's wrong with you? I go, think about it. We're still young. The girls will be fine. We'll, we get to go see the world together. It'll be a blast. And she was like, no, that's not what I signed up for. I and she's up, right. Yeah. She goes, I signed up to be a mom to these two children and your wife. And it's not just, it's not just that. And God bless her because she's right. And her, yeah. her motives are her own and they're noble. And I, li- I like it. As if you need me my approval. But <laughs> Thank you. if you watch carefully, you're welcome. If you watch carefully a travel show. How set up there? You're not really traveling the world and getting experience. You're doing a television We're show. Where, yes, and We're all working. the time. You know, the only guy who gets close is Bourdain, and for the first five years, he didn't. He's just, yeah. He just can now do anything he wants, and it's called a television show. Other guys have to do that. You have to meet the chef. You, you know, you're in a restaurant with actually functioning customers. When I was doing Breaking Bond and we'd go into a restaurant with real people. I felt terrible about oh, that. yeah. Oh yeah, you get the meal and they're like, "Oh, hold on, we're gonna do, uh, yeah. we're gonna do beauties." So you meal. wouldn't really be traveling. So, Your wife, yeah, right. it would be working with my wife, and I don't think she'd like the way I work. Um, she'd probably, as a matter of fact, one of the producers was like, "Are we sure we want to involve your life, your wife, into your road life?" Because she may like start pulling back. <laughs> Like, she was like, well, I'm not going out drinking every night. I go, babe, if you're in fucking Vietnam for the night, trust me, you go you're out going drinking. out drinking. You're going not only are you drinking, but you're drinking a drink with a snake in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to be playing Pai Gao at the end of the night with some fucking One guy from the... Favorite games. Really? Great game, Pai Gao. Nice. What time is it? Uh, oh. Yeah, you have somewhere to be. Yeah, we've got to, i got to do a show. Um, what else? Yeah, what else? I'm all sweaty and stuff already. You really got to go out and do a show. Yeah, I know. I'm, a, I'm trying to figure out this hour for showtime. So I'm like, it's very, I'm like. You got a Showtime deal? Yeah. yeah no, no. Great. Good for you. Special April 1st. So if anyone wants tickets, go to. Where are you uh, going to do it? Irvine Improv. Oh, really? I wanted to great do it in room. a club. I wanted to do it in a club because, uh, because that's where I do stand up. Because you're a road comic. Yeah, you got to do I, it. Yeah. And, and I said that to Bill Byrne, I were talking about it. And I said, I said, I understand that you do theater. So you, it makes sense that you do your special in the theater. But like, I really do still do stand up in clubs. Like, I don't want to wear something different. Like, it's always found it weird, like, when Attell would come out to a theater in a suit, and you'd be like, what? But Attell what doesn't wear suits. He wears a hoodie with a leather jacket and a fucking crumply <laughs> baseball cap and smokes cigarettes. Do it in a fucking club. So I dressed up for you. I'm jeans and a t-shirt. Oh, look, I still got the jeans on. I dressed great. up for you. Thank you, dear. Yeah, do you now? Uh, do you, are you still working out pretty hard? Uh, mostly just the treadmill because it's uh, the morning show. Just each year. As a matter of fact, I do the treadmill at four in the morning because when you're done and you get home, you swear you'll do it. Yeah. But it's just I. I'm a, I have a couch much like this, and I have a TV much like that giant screen, flat screen right yeah. there. And you know those two should not be separated. Yeah. So before <laughs> I, I watch, uh, I watch from four to four thirty. I watch uh, CNN, and from four thirty to five, I watch the local news, and then just run right to work. I have one mile from work, three minutes away. Fucking great. That's, I mean, it's and I live in a great neighborhood. You'd think, oh, you must live in an industrial neighborhood to live right next to a radio station. I'm on the top of a fucking mountain, and there's stuff going on, and one of them is a radio station at the bottom. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it's great. What's one thing you want out of life before before it ends? Uh, in what sense? Because it would be easy to say peace of mind, which, by the way, would not be as trite as it sounds. So I, I don't get that much of that or haven't. But like, uh, uh, like, well, professional. Oh, I can tell you. I can tell you. What? Um, again, it's, it's going to sound a little bit shitty. If you, if my wife had three guesses, she'd get it. I want a star on the goddamn Hollywood Walk of Fame. Pieces of shit have a star on the Hollywood. David fucking Cassidy. What's he do? <laughs> 
David fucking Cassidy. <laughs> just this song. Every, you know, they do it on my radio show to bug me because they know I will. And they'll go, Siegfried and Roy have 17 stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Although one of them had to get bit by a tiger to get that. But still, that's, I would like, because I have everything else. I have every award. I don't have an Emmy, but I don't really want, I never strove. It wasn't yeah. a thing. I don't you care know? about awards, but that would be. I got, I got, uh, I didn't get one bad review on the book. I hit the bestseller list. Although, here's the thing. Uh, I get called from my agent. You made the New York Times bestseller. Oh, that's awesome. I opened the paper. What do you mean it's not in there? Oh, oh, oh. They, if a, the bestseller list is 100, they only write the top 10. You're like 87. <laughs> but still close enough. So I wanted to write a book was a thing for a long time. I wanted to write a book. But that was a commitment, man. That was the biggest mistake I ever made. Did you write a book? Yeah, it's right over there. Actually, I, I know that. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, it, it was just, it, was, it wasn't the biggest mistake I ever made because my... My my. Look at you go though. You write that fucking book. But I was. was, I I got done and I thought. I wonder if I had spent the same amount of energy on stuff I'm really excel at, like like doing stand up or or doing my podcast. It, as opposed to writing a book, but it was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. No, you wrote a book forever. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I'm forever. Impre- I'm impressed. All the hell. Yeah, and so, uh, but yeah, that. I th- it, I, I thought well, a star on the Walk of Fame would be badass. Yeah, that yeah. would be fucking badass. We actually are, are, again, our first home, and we still own it for some weird reason. We don't In own LA? any of the other houses. Yeah, yeah, right on Hollywood Boulevard. The Hollywood Walk of Fame is outside our door. Really? Matter of fact, the first t- stars are right outside How our door. How often do you the, get down to Hollywood? Uh, we got down for some show not too long ago. What was that? Twice a year. We, yeah, a couple times a year. So what, does it just sit there? The, no, we rent it out. We rent it out, and uh, Amy takes care of all this. It's a bit of a headache. But, uh, yeah, and it's right. Do you know, I, I guess, you know, the Hollywood and Highland? The sh- of course. Across the street. You look out my front door, and you're looking at it. Are you serious? Yes. Shut up. Yeah, wait, I think wait, we're the first I, residential. Is it over on Franklin? No, it's Hollywood Boulevard. It's on Hollywood? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, never get rid of that fucking thing. Well, you say that. I thought the same thing. We bought it for, I think, eight and a quarter. And... Uh, I said, we'll sell it when it's a, a buck and a half. That's, that's when we'll sell it. Yeah. And first, the market fell out. We bought it. Like, we just met. We met in 2008. It was not the best time to buy a house. But I was getting a divorce. I was fucked. I needed something that was mine. Um, so the bottom fell out, and then it wasn't worth anything. But it's actually hard to walk around my house. It's such a tourist thing. Grauman's Chinese is right. Oh, yeah, across. There's a right. thousand people at the end of my gate every day. I tried to. I actually said, and I like being famous. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a B-list celebrity, but I dig it. And I'd like to be an A-list celebrity. I'd like my d- life to be a little harder because I'm so goddamn famous. But uh, I was going to Starbucks one morning, and it's... 500 feet from my house and it took 40 minutes because I'm never going to turn down a picture or an autograph oh, or anything like yeah, that. that and I got back and I think honey Jesus Christ this might have been a bad call that is- I, the Hollywood tour I dig this you'll love it if you were there and saw this for real you go okay the god of comedy made this happen I'm walking on the other side of the street from my house I'd gotten something at uh, uh, the, the, the Hollywood Island and I'm walking and I'm, as I'm pulling up to this guy, he's, there's a guy talking about five people, and he's saying, and uh, Johnny Carson, you said we'll stop by there at first, but when we, before we even need to go, if you remember the Partridge family, Danny Bonaduce, who played Danny Partridge, lives right there across the street, and he turns to me, points, and he points right at me. And he goes, I hope you don't mind this, but you're fucking invite him over. <laughs> but that's where I live, man. Oh, that's fucking great. Yeah. Well, Danny, I gotta, I gotta thank you, man. This is, uh, I, this has been a blast. It was you're my so, pleasure. It was really fun. You're someone that I, that I, that I feel like everyone, everyone my age definitively has a connection with because we've seen, we've seen your, we've met you when you were a kid. We've seen your ups and downs, and you've literally 
been doing nothing but just great work for the for the past 25 years. Thank, past- hey, thank you very much. But for the year, people your age, definitively, I'll tell you my one and only joke when I do stand-up and then I just tell stories. I walk out on stage, thunderous applause, by the way, and I stand there and I look at them until the applause stops, almost kind of daring them. And I say, I know what you're thinking. That guy looks a lot like Danny Partridge's grandfather if he didn't live well. And I could tell these guys really laughed. They knew the Partridge. These guys kind of laughed. They were wondering if I was on the Partridge. These guys didn't laugh at all. They never heard of the Partridge. Like, couch your jokes accordingly. That's my one joke that I tell. One of the best, one of Greg Giraldo. I don't know if you ever heard this yeah. joke. Oh, from, I don't know. I don't. From uh, the roast Kathy Griffin was hosting. And he goes, keep it going for Tranny Bonaducci. <laughs> I did totally hear that. We both heard that. We both heard that. I, I literally lost it. I was like, And I was thinking about that joke all day today, and I was like, "How cool that you are so ingrained in the natural in the national lexicon that that just a switch on your name destroys." Okay, you. This is why I love you, Bert, because that's the way you looked at it. It's a lovely way to look. Because another way to look at it, somebody else can look at it is fifty goddamn years of hard work, and you're a punchline. I like your way. You're, I, Catch you when I'm mad. I'll be looking at this goddamn other punch. Tranny Bonner fucking doozy. How dare they? But no, I'm honored to be Tranny Bonner doozy. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.